Any good historian will tell you, if you want to see what a country is made of, you look at the Constitution, the nuts and bolts of everything, how it's built. When you look at the Apostolic Church, there are certain things that frame the entire theology, what we believe, what we do. And today we have a special guest who's going to get into one very specific baseline belief. Welcome to Kingdom Speak, Pastor Daniel McKillop. Be good. Oh, yeah. Back by popular demand. Yes. <laughs> How come you're not saying this time this is going to be some... Some... Premium some, oh, content. Yes. Come on. Yeah, we're going to paywall this one. Yeah, yeah. Right. Premium content. <laughs> hey, before we get into the premium content, let me read you guys a review. We read these all the time because we love them, and it gives us a chance to... Uh, let our listeners know that there are other listeners out there. It's not just us talking into a vacuum. Although Microphone? It feel, although it feels like that sometimes. Yeah. Nuggets of gold, this person says. This podcast is a gold mine for any Christian. There. It's basically a pile of GameStop stock. <laughs> yeah, or silver if you're checking this yeah, morning. it's going. <laughs> silver. It's going. This yeah. is, Caps, hands down, my favorite podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. I have been blessed, challenged, instructed, even corrected. Whoa. <laughs> well, Multiple that, times. Hey, that had to be Pastor Townley's episode. Yeah, he's pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Multiple it, times yeah. I, mean, I have turned, tuned this podcast, turned this podcast on. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. And found God telling exactly what I needed for that moment. Once again, thanks. Well, thank you very much. Awesome. Love that feedback. Yes. Love it. Keep it coming. It's uh, very important. If you haven't joined our website already, grab it at kingdomspeak.ca. Uh, and we got more bonus content uploading there soon. So we do so. Man, today is going to be the beginning of um, a really incredible journey. All right that uh, Kingdom Speak and our listeners are going to go on. We've been working something. Um, Pastor Townley's with us today, and he and I have discussed this uh, way prior to Kingdom Speak ever existing. But we have discussed the importance of needing to capture some of the, the elements, as you said in your mm. opening, that make make us who we really are, to capture some of these truths from our our elders. For sure. And um, I can remember, for me personally, just speaking for me personally, I've listened repeatedly to the cassettes of Verbal Being talking about the works of the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Um, if someone wouldn't have captured that, those were perspectives that would be forever gone but now i'm able to hear a man that i never met yeah talk about a truth that's eternal it's timeless yeah yeah timeless so in time i'm hearing a man that time robbed us of his voice but because it was captured he is still giving insights that are eternal and and that's that's what we're going to be starting today you never know where these episodes go do you right we say that all the time but yeah and you know, years from now, it's 2021. Maybe when you're listening to this, it's 50 years later, which is kind of a weird thought. Yeah, and that's yeah. going to make you a very old person at that point. At this point, who me? Yeah, yeah, easy. <laughs> it won't make you a young whippersnapper yourself. <laughs> oh, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> yeah. That's so fast all the time, so fast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we are going to be doing a number of episodes where we're going to be taking elders and giving them a platform to communicate, and we want to harvest mm -hmm. as many of these truths as we can. So there are times when I when I preach and I'll tell the church uh, this particular message that we're we're going to be presenting this morning. It's more important that you get the message than I get through the message. Mm. So if it takes me three services to get it across, mm. then we're going to take the time to get it across. 
So the objective behind these episodes that we're going to be uploading over the next few months that will probably take us quite a yes. while, actually, the objective is not to get through it. Mm -hmm. The objective is to mine it. Pastor Tanley, do you have anything that you want to add to this, seeing how this is, this is part of your vision as well? You know, when we began talking about it, uh, it's like sitting at a gold mine and you're seeing all this available uh, information, teaching, and it's it's an incredible, incredible opportunity. And uh, just the technology is, is uh, different, it's new, but it has the ability to preserve uh, truths that are eternal. And so I, I think today what we're doing is going to make an impact on my children, my grandchildren, mm -hmm. and then all of those that follow so I, I, I thank you for the vision and the technology and, and putting the time in. A couple of things that, uh, as far as to Bishop Odom, uh, the privilege of having watched him break down these eternal truths, uh, subject matter, and I know we can't get through them all today, but uh, subject matter like let us make man in an image, incredible uh, information. I've seen him break it down, the right hand of God seeing him take an entire class and break down the right hand of God, seeing him go through Isaiah, break down the one holy God. Uh, I've seen him uh, talk about uh, Revelation chapter 4, where he talks about uh, the one, uh, the lamb came, took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And understanding chapter 5, you've got to understand chapter 4. These proves that our it helped me so much in the development sure. and understanding of the oneness of God. And so for that, you do know that you're just, you're, those. you're, you do know right now that you've just like told everybody what the episode was about. No, no, no. I don't see how he's going to be able to <laughs> one of these. Much less. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I can't even fathom him being able to uh, cover all of that because I've watched him take hours and covered just portions of them. We want them to do it. And uh, I've seen the Holy Ghost fall mm. as he knelt before a picture where he that sat upon the throne was holy and watched the anointing of the Holy Ghost fall, comes interpretation as he thought about oneness. And that's what oh. I want to see passed to our generation. Is oh, a passion Jesus. and a love for the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. You know. Thank you for the privilege, Bishop, to be with you. Thank you. For thank you. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm going to say just one thing, and then we're going to get Bishop. Um, turn him loose. Turn him loose. The You were with us just a few weeks ago, Bishop, and you you struck a chord with our our audience. One of the things that you mentioned is that you felt like in the climate that we were in, the closer that we get to the end of the age, which I really do believe we are the generation upon, upon which the ends of the world have come. You made a statement that you felt like there was going to be a return to the preeminency of doctrinal and doctrine-based teaching. I, 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 was, I was so impacted by that. And you, you painted quickly a cycle that, that and, and if you want to recap and break it down more, that you've seen from your vantage point of history in the Pentecostal movement, you've seen a, a shift. When you came in, it was doctrinally focused. Then you made the statement that it shifted to an outreach um, driven mode. Then there's been a shift to the inspirational aspect of preaching. And I wish our audience could hear all of our conversations, but in, co in conversation yesterday, uh, when you were sitting in your pickup, you made the statement that it has even become sensationalized. Hmm. That inspirational preaching is fine, but preaching has become almost sensational but that you feel like there is a shift that is coming where 
that doctrinal element of preaching has got to come back to the forefront of, of the apostolic pulpit. I, I really believe, and when you look at it, doctrine is everything, isn't it, Bishop? Yes, it is. Balaam had one. The Nicolaitans had one. It, it, it's a shame if the church shies away from those identifying fundamental foundational elements that make us who we really are as an apostolic church. Amen. So we want you to talk about uh, those doctrines and, 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 and lead us through some of these things that um, really make us who we are. Thank you, Brother McKillop. Thank you very much. I want to say this at the outset. I feel the presence of God mm. this very moment. Mm. I know that Jesus was talking about him being lifted up at Calvary, and he used the analysis as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Mm. But what we're doing today is lifting Jesus to the preeminence and the prominence that he rightly has, not just yes. deserves. It is his. Yes. I sense the presence of God and his approval on what we're doing today. And I want to give honor to you, Pastor McKillop. God bless you for your vision, your staff that works faithfully with you, my dear and trusted friend, Pastor Townley. Brother Townley, God bless you. It's so nice to be with you. And let me say also to who, whoever you are and wherever you are around the world, when you look at this podcast, I want you to know that I firmly believe that what we're going to be talking about today is going to soon become an international, a global impact, mm -hmm. a revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. Oh, yeah. So, Pastor, we'll begin if you're ready, but if you need some more introductory remarks. No, sir. No, sir. We are ready, Bishop. Please proceed. Well, let, me, let me tell the audience today that um, this is a subject that has no beginning because it's about the Godhead or about God, and he has no beginning. <laughs> and this subject has no ending because it's about the Godhead, yeah. and it's about God. So consequently, there's no way that we're going to be able to capsulate the Godhead and 60 minutes or 120 minutes yeah. or a week of study, or if we teach forevermore, this is an unending subject because mm -hmm. it's about the eternal existing power of God. My parents were converted to this apostolic truth in the year of 1950, the same year that my wife's parents were converted. And I remember as a five-year-old child, when we would go to church, the great old men of God back in those days, some 70 years ago, we received a steady diet of doctrinal preaching. I've said this in a sermon that I preach entitled, Give Me That Old Time Religion. And Pastor McKillop, I think I brought that message to your church and oh, pastor. Oh, yes, you did. Ago. Oh, yes, you did. You could almost mark it down if the pastor preached on the oneness of the Godhead on Sunday morning. He would preach on the plan of salvation on Sunday night. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then midweek Bible study, he would teach on holiness standards. Well, to be sure that we didn't figure him out, he would change it up. <laughs> the next Sunday, he would, Sunday morning, he would teach on the plan of salvation. Sunday night on holiness standards of living and separation <laughs> from the world. Wednesday night back on the mm -hmm. Godhead. That was the steady diet of the Word of God. That's the way wow. that my generation was raised with powerful doctrinal preaching. And Brother McKillop, thank you for allowing me the little luxury of time here just to give a personal opinion. Um, in time to come, as the Pentecostals, the apostolics of the Jesus name, one God message, begin to receive strong footholds around the world, and I mean by that identity as a definite move of God people, there was a little shift, not necessarily moving away from doctrine, but more emphasis was placed on outreach, church growth, missions, evangelism. And that, by the way, is important because it is a fulfillment 
of the commission that Jesus gave to the disciples before he ascended. Sure. But if you can fast forward time a little bit more from strong doctrinal preaching twice on Sunday, at least once during the week, then we became a, a movement of evangelism. We need that. A movement of outreach. We need that. But in doing this, it was my personal experience that I saw a lessening of the preaching of the cornerstone doctrinal sermon, such as the oneness of the Godhead, the apostolic plan of New Testament salvation, uh, the doctrines of uh, sanctified holiness living or separation from the world. And our churches began to grow because we were putting a lot of time into outreach evangelism and missions. Mm. But we moved again from doctrine to outreach and evangelism. We became a people of, of great inspirations, um, powerful choirs and beautiful singing groups and outstanding songs and music. And all of this is good. But we moved again from strong doctrine, outreach and evangelism to inspirationalism. And I have noticed in my years that a lot of men's preaching started going toward a lot of inspirational things. And I thought about this during the night as I was praying about this session today. I do not want to diminish from the importance of positive thinking, um, faith in the Word of God, sure. faith in miracles. Sure. But sometimes this inspirationalism kind of yielded itself more toward spectacularisms, sensationalisms, until the point that we've almost now seen the development of such a wide range of non-denominational, and I want to respectfully use the title, charismatic-type churches sure. who put no emphasis on doctrine. Pretty much the non-denominationals, the charismatics, and again, I say that very gently and respectfully, it's all about feel-good. It's all about positive thinking affirmation it's kind of a thing about a prosperity type of living for god if you live for me i'm going to give you these these blessings we don't live for god job did not for the benefits of living for god but yeah. we went through that until now doctrine is not that important at all and we do know this that holiness standards and separation from the world is losing its importance in many apostolic churches today. So what do I believe? I believe in 70 years of my lifetime and much of this in my ministry, being called to preach when I was nine years old, and do the math on that, that's been 66 years ago. Mm. I believe that we're going to turn this thing in full circle, and I believe in this last day, we're going to see a return to strong Oh. Doctrinal preaching, yes. strong doctrinal teaching, and the embracing once again of the absolute importance of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. And I want to answer a question here that's not even been asked. Is what we believe important? Hmm. Jesus says yes. Mm -hmm. For in the book of John chapter 8, he said this uh, to his audience, except ye believe that I am he. He shall die in your sins. Well, with a scratching of the head and the stroking of, of the goatees, they said, well, who are you? Yeah. And he said, the same that I told you from the beginning. I've done a little work today on the root word study of beginning, and God is the beginning, and he's the ending. Mm. And what God was at the beginning, he was when Jesus said the same that I told you from the beginning. And they understood not that he spake unto them of the Father. Mm -hmm. Pastor McKillop, Pastor Townley, and pastors around the world, get ready. Mm. There is going to be a surge of anointed doctrinal preaching declaring the oneness of the Godhead. Oh, let it be. Sorry about that. Mm. I'm going to present some things today, and let me say, Pastor McKillop, uh, just pull my string, and if you want to interject something, Pastor Townley, I can pause. I promise you that I can. But I want to approach this strictly to be a thought provoker to some of you in a way that maybe you never considered the importance of the Godhead. Some of my notes that I've taught over the years goes like this. Mm. 
If the Bible that we know, which is 66 books, Mm -hmm. over 1,100 chapters, over 31,000 verses, that's our Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Mm -hmm. If we had only one book from those 66 books, then that one book would be our entire Bible, and that book would be the book of Genesis. Amen. There's no question that there's but one God. Amen. If we can make that even smaller, if we can take one chapter from that one book, and if that one chapter was our Bible, and that one chapter would be Genesis (laughs) chapter 1, there would be no question that there's but one God. Let's keep moving. But if we could take just one verse out of that one chapter out of that one book, and that would be Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God. Yeah. <laughs> there would be no doubt if the if our entire Bible was the book of Genesis. No question, no room for pluralities, triunisms, or all the other multiple gods. I don't have this in the notes, but it fits. Yeah. If the book of Exodus was our entire Bible, and if we could quote what God said to Moses, tell Pharaoh that I am. I am. <laughs> That I am. <laughs> There's no doubt there would be only one God. If we could take just one book of the great prophets, beginning with Isaiah and going through Malachi. Now, some prophets didn't write books, as far as we know, such as Elijah, Nathan, Elisha, and there were others. But if we could take one book of the prophets, and if that one book would be our entire Bible, and not the full 66 books, and not the over 1,100 chapters, and not over 31,000 verses in the King James Version of the Bible, if that one book would be the book of Isaiah, without doubt, Ah. it would be just one God. Listen, listen, Bishop, listen. I got a round table in this little studio, and you're about to make me run the aisles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, this is a marvelous message. Woo! If we could take only eight verses from the beautiful book of Isaiah, and if Isaiah was the only thing that we have to call a Bible, and not the full 66 books mm. that comprise our Bible, if we could take only eight of Isaiah's verses, here's what you would find out. And I want you to decide if there's but one God. Isaiah 44 and 10, God speaks. Before me, there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Isaiah 44 and 6, I am the first, I'm the last. Besides me, there's no God. Isaiah 44 and 8, is there a God beside me? Yea, <laughs> there's no God. No God. <laughs> I don't know any. Isaiah 45 and 5, I am the Lord and there's none else. Isaiah 45 and 18, I am the Lord and there's none else. Isaiah 45 and 21, there is no God beside me, a just God and a Savior. There's none beside me. Finally, Isaiah 46 and 9, God speaks now for I, not us, not we. I am God and there is none else. I am God and there's none like me. So what I want to tell you, if you would take the dogma, of the Godhead, the doctrine, mm-hmm. out of Genesis. And if that was our only book that we would call our Bible, there's no room but for one God. Yeah. If you would take the one book of Isaiah, trust me, there's no room but for one God. May I fast forward time just a little bit? If we could take just one of the books of the four Gospels of the New Testament, and if the Gospel of John was the only book that we had for a Bible— <laughs> I want you to know that there is no room for any other God because John writes, in the beginning beginning was the Word, (laughs) and the Word was God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 of that chapter, John says, and the Word, which was the Logos, the wisdom, the holy attributes of God, and the Word, which was God, was made flesh. So if the Gospel of John was the only book that we held to as a complete Bible and not the other 66 books or 65 books, there's no room in the Gospel of John but for one God. I'll try to move quickly. If no, you don't need to. Dogma, 
You don't need to move quickly. The dogma of the book of Revelation, and if we would take one chapter of the book of Revelation and take one verse of the book of Revelation, there's no room but for one God. And it goes like this. The revelation of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. But if you needed something to verify Revelation 1 and 1, and if you happen to have a red-letter edition of the King James Version, Jesus is doing the talking. Verse 8, I am Alpha, not us, not we. The beginning, the ending, the first, the last, which is, which was, which is to come. What I want you to know, dear friends, is this. We have 66 books in the Bible. Mm, yes. Now, with the other books besides Genesis, Exodus, Isaiah, John, and Revelation, would they bring into question the possibility that there's more than one God or a plurality of persons in the Godhead? Absolutely not, because the Bible says that all Scripture oh. is given as an inspiration from God. So all books, whether it's the Pentateuch or the great historical books of the Old Testament or the poetical prophetic books of the great prophets or the poetical beautiful psalms and songs like Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms of Solomon. Oh, no, no, no. They all document. They all verify. They all prove that there's but one God. I just emphasized the book called the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The book of Acts, the Pauline epistles, the general epistles, the book of Hebrews, all 66 books verify that there is but one God. Oh, I got to drop a bomb here. Do I get my my name being called? (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a breath. (laughs) Wow. I want all of you to know if you're struggling with the book of Genesis, chapter one. Let me slow down here and let's talk about some things that you really need to have a revelation for. I want to make a statement to you, and I'm okay if you disagree with me, but in all of my heart, I think I'm right on what I'm going to say. I believe the understanding of all the scripture is based around the revelation of the Godhead. I believe that. I don't believe that we can understand water baptism in Jesus' name or understand Matthew 28 and 19 until we have a revelation of the Godhead itself. Right. In the Old Testament, there was nothing suggested about a position or a person as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, Isaiah did make the statement in chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder. Thou shalt call his name Wonderful, Mm. Counselor, Mm. the Mighty, the Mighty God, the Everlasting, yes, and the Prince of Peace. Yes. Want you to know that if you can get an understanding of Genesis chapter one, and I'm going to carefully walk through some things with you about this chapter that is very, very important. First of all, Genesis one and one. In the beginning, pastors, that word beginning is taken from the Hebrew word rashith, which means in the first, in the place of time, in the place of order, in the place of rank. But if you would fast forward time from Genesis 1 and 1, and if you would go to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, John begins his gospel by saying, in the beginning was the Word. Now, we know the Old Testament is in Hebrew. The New Testament is is in Greek. The Hebrew word in Genesis 1 and 1 is Roshith, the first, the beginning, the place, the time, the order, the rank. But in the Greek, the word beginning is taken from the Greek word archa, which has identically the very same definition. So the beginning of Genesis 1 is identically to the beginning of John chapter 1. Wow. But one more quick point here. Fast forward time to the general epistles, and the first 
or, or the book of First John chapter 1. Interesting that John opens his gospel by saying, in the beginning was the word. But in the book of First John chapter 1, he opens it again. In the beginning, and that word beginning in First John is identical to the Greek word in John chapter 1 of the gospel of John, which is archaic. So the Hebrew word beginning in Genesis 1 is identical to the Greek word in the beginning of the Gospel of John chapter 1, and also in the book of 1 John chapter 1. And the Bible says, in the beginning, God. Now, if I was before a live audience right now, because I love to make a connection with my audience with eye contact and a feel contact, I would ask everyone to say with me, in the beginning, God. Yes. And so the subject now moves from the beginning, and it goes to God. Now, let's talk about God. Number one, it's pronounced in the original Elohim. And God being identified as Elohim is used approximately 200 times in the book of Genesis alone. Hmm. The definition of Elohim, or what we call as God, is the singularity of one God, but made known in pluralities of attributes. I will get to this in just a moment. What does this mean, the attributes of God? Let me fast forward, and I'll come back to this in a few minutes, the Lord willing. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, friends of ours who we love and respect, They want us to think that when God uses a plural pronoun, let us make man in our image, that that's identifying three separate persons in the Godhead, but it is not. And the Bible says, so God made man, Elohim made man, the singular God that has plurality of attributes. Now, what are those attributes? I was taught long ago when I went to a seminary by a wonderful professor that taught me, and I still hold on to this, that the attributes of God are the very same thing that we find in the book of Revelation. That's chapter 3, chapter 5, and uh, that's chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5. And it speaks of the seven spirits of God, not to linger time, But yet I would rather linger time with you today than to rush time. Let me read these verses to you. Yes. Revelation 3 and 1, and I'm talking about the attributes of God. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God. Think attributes. Don't think persons and personalities. Mm -hmm. Revelation 4 and 5, John saw this. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire before the throne, which wow. are seven, seven spirits, spirits of, God. of God. And finally, Revelation 5 and verse 6. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. We know that God is a spirit, but the Elohim of creation of Genesis chapter 1 is not three gods, not three persons, but even good Trinitarians will tell you that Elohim is singularity, one God, and the pronouns, let us make man in our image, even good Trinitarians will confess that God is speaking not to another but to himself. Do you remember in one of the stories about Abraham that because God could swear mm-hmm. yeah. by he's, none any greater, he swore unto himself. himself. This is the picture I want to, you to hear now. The seven spirits of God, who are they? What are they? How do we find them? The professor taught me this, Pastor McKillop. We learn what the seven spirits of God are in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11. And it's a prophetic statement about Jesus Christ. In verse 1 of Isaiah 11, it reads like this. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. 
And verse 2 tells us what the seven spirits of God are. Number one, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Number two, the spirit of wisdom. Number three, the spirit of understanding. Number four, the spirit of counsel. Number five, the spirit of might. Number six, the spirit of knowledge. Number seven, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So what I want to tell you, and all of you that struggle to explain the pronouns in Genesis chapter one, don't be afraid of that. Elohim used 200 times in the book of Genesis alone. And again, and this is worth repeating, the singular God with multiple plural attributes. Mm. And God said, let us, he was not speaking to angels. Angels are not creating or creative. They are created. And he was not speaking to three people that comprised a God. Right. He right. was speaking to himself. It's very important that you understand as I'm going to walk through Genesis chapter one, because Pastor McKillop, Pastor Townley, and to your staff, Pastor McKillop, I want all of my friends around the world to have the revelation that Genesis chapter one could be the most powerful one God chapter in the entire Bible. Hmm. Let me say this also, though. Do you remember later on in the book of Genesis, after the flood, um, Bible says that the people were of one language, and they all kind of dwelt together in a commune of sorts yes. in the plains of Shinar. And so they had this architectural brainstorm that we want to build a city and a tower to God. Right. And God, Elohim, by this time, though, he's called the Lord God. And that's powerful because this is introducing him as the Jehovah Elohim. <laughs> The excellency of the unquestionable singular God. And the Lord God said, let us, there's that pronoun again. Yes, go, go down. down. And see what man is up to. Yes. And these are the two times in the book of Genesis that a, that a pronoun, us or our, is used when it comes to God. So what does this mean to us today? I made some notes on this. First of all, in the Old Testament, and this is not profound, Pastor Townley, but I find it so very beautiful. The Old Testament records God making man like God, made in his likeness. Yes. Made it in is. his image. But the New Testament records God <laughs> making himself like man in the likeness of man. <laughs> It's a wonderful study when we go through the parallel of the book of Genesis and to the Gospels of Jesus Christ. And I have these in another oneness section of notes. Uh, kind of, the Old Testament starts in a garden where there was sin. Yes. The New Testament kind of, watch me now, starts in another garden. Yes. A bloody prayer. Yes. The Old Testament begins with a tree in a garden. And the New Testament has the tree of life, Jesus Christ, in a garden. Such great parallels, but it all dovetails together mm. to absolutely, without doubt, great is the mystery of godliness. Yes. God was in Christ. He was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up Woo. into glory. The Old Testament begins with God making man in his likeness, and the New Testament begins with God making himself in the likeness of man and the likeness of sinful flesh. Pastor McKillop, you can stop me where you would like, and I'm not even keeping time on myself. Let me stop and interject something that I hope comes across with a sense of humor. I mean it that way. They told me a long time ago, have they paid me by the hour? <laughs> preacher. So I don't even have, have a clock in front of me here. Keep going. So pull my string when you're ready, okay? Well, you, you, I asked you a few moments ago if you had that safe behind you full of money. 
<laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> go ahead, Bishop. This is awesome. Let's go to the book of Genesis about doctrine. Now, preachers, get this. Preachers, don't you be afraid of the pronouns, us and our, in the book of Genesis. These are not different persons. Right. These are the attributes of the almighty God, the singular Elohim that has multiple attributes, mm -hmm. the seven spirits of God that are like vessels before the throne of God. Pastor Townley, I'll move quickly with you already, and I'm going to cover this again very briefly. Genesis 1.26, and God, Elohim said, let us make men in our image. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle, the earth, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Make men in our likeness. Yes. Yes. In our image. Yes. Now, this is just kind of commonly thinking our way through this. If the image of God was three separate distinct persons. <laughs> Absolutely we would have to be three separate, distinct, individual, visible persons. Right. God is one. And that one God that is a spirit became a person in the manship of Jesus Christ. But, and when Bishop, God brother, brother Townley, that, brother Townley is wanting to interject something here. Let's go. Hey, Bishop, I, uh, Bishop, I recall uh, some years ago, I called you about a particular verse, and it's in direct relationship to that uh, passage of Scripture, where in the New Testament, he says that he is the express image of the invisible God. And so he is the product of uh, such a prototype of some sorts, is just a way of thinking. And I'll never forget the answer you gave me. Do you recall that phone call? You may not, but this is the answer you gave was that the only way we can ever truly understand God is that we must always come from the perspective there is but one God. And the minute we begin to try to uh, somehow fit a Trinitarian uh, explanation or come from that point of view, we're going to be off track every time. You have so that express image of the invisible God. I, I just remember it it helped me through a time that I was struggling in that particular Him being that express image, Brother Tony, and I thank you for calling this to my attention, and I do remember that conversation. When we use the word God was manifest, or he is the image or the form, and Paul writes about him being in the form of God, mm -hmm. but thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Um, these words interlock, manifested, form, image, and he is that express only image of the invisible God in a human body form. Men, let me pause here and make a statement about the quest of knowledge. Uh, I'm talking to men that are hosting this meeting today that are highly intellectual and they're students of the scripture. And I would, I would encourage all of you that are watching this podcast don't ever get to the place that you don't see your need of advancing yourself intellectually mm. through study, through preparation, through memorization of your sermons when you preach. But I'm pretty fearful. I'm quite fearful, Pastor Townley, Pastor McKillop, that I don't want us to get so top-heavy into intellectualism that we miss the importance of the simplicity of Jesus Christ revealing himself. Uh, in my lifetime, uh, I, I can vouch for what I'm going to say. Uh, it has almost been espoused that if we don't have a degree in foreign languages, particularly Hebrew, Greek, then we don't understand God. So we have to have hmm. a philosophical approach in foreign languages and understand the original Hebrew to understand the God of the Old Testament. I'm all for language understanding. I'm all for scholarship, academia, intellectualism. Sure. But don't you ever think that scholarship, 
and learning foreign and hard languages is vital for you to have a revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, yeah. We've also gone through a time that if you don't understand Greek and the original meanings of the writers of the New Testament, then we don't understand the Godhead. That is incorrect because God has revealed this. Yes. Right. Unto men that do not have broad intellect, no degrees, diplomas, scholarship, academia. I'm for that, gentlemen. Don't you dare think I'm sure. taken away from it. But I refuse to allow you to force a position on me or any of my brethren that we must have a complete and comprehensive understanding of the book of Hebrews. Or, I'm sorry, the language of the Hebrews. Sure. Or the language of the Greek to understand God. Watch this. By knowledge, by scholarship, by intellect, um, by mm -hmm. intellectualism, we understand that the worlds were framed by No, no. no. <laughs> it is by faith. Yes. <laughs> we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And you might not have a lot of education, but if you have a hunger and a thirst to see this great revelation, oh. God is not going to put you on scholarship probation until you get your degree before he will give to you the understanding of who he is. Oh. Now, pastors, I felt that going out of me. And I want everybody to get a hold of that. Advance yourself intellectually. Advance yourself educationally. But don't you ever allow the wisdom of man to take place of God revealing himself Ooh. unto babes. You know, I was thinking during the night, Pastor McKillop, and again, brethren, um, all, all signs for me is, is on go right now. Nothing is saying stop yet. Yeah. But I was thinking during the night, and this is not profound. It was wise men that came from afar. All right. But shepherds came from just down the hillside. Come on. Hmm. Woo. It might be that if you're not real careful, high intellect and high men's wisdom, God. it may take you a longer time to get to that babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Wow. Oh, Jesus. We certainly, we certainly do not want to think that these shepherds were in the same educational class as those wise men, the Maggie from the East. But all they had to do was maybe to go through one little valley and climb one little hill. They found uh, They found wisdom him. had a long way to go. Wow. For in wisdom, God help me. In wisdom, the world knew not God. Woo. I speak revelation to you. Pastor McKillop, I feel this coming out of me. Mm. It's the will of God that the minds of apostolics be open and that you don't believe this because your pastor taught this to you or because your spiritual fathers or ancestors taught this to you. You believe this because God has personally visited with you and you see that in Jesus Christ is the fullness, Woo. not half full. You know, he's a God of fullness, Brother Townley. Mm. Filled the vessels full, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. He's a God of fullness, and when Ooh. the fullness of time was come, <laughs> and in him dwelleth all the fullness of oh. anything else. In Christ Jesus is Elohim. Yes. In Christ Jesus is Yehovah, the Lord God. Yes. In Christ Jesus are all of the titles of the Jehovah of Moses and the patriarchs. In Christ Jesus is manship. In Christ Jesus is Godship. In Christ Jesus is sacrifice. In Christ Jesus is saviorship. Mm. All the fullness mm. lives. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. In him. Yes. Let me move quickly and I'll bring my visit to a close within the next five hours, I'm sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so really, Praise Bishop, what you, what, what you are saying, uh, 
is except we become as a little child. Except. Except. You, you don't, we, we, we really don't step up to get this revelation. We have to minimize our, simplify. If we, compl- if we make it more complex, we're, we're really distancing ourselves from the simplicity of the gospel. Pastor McKillop, you bring to my mind um, a study that I taught some time back on the confusion of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I mentioned this to you, Pastor McKillop, and Pastor Townley, I think I've told this to you in time past. Back in my pastoral days, uh, there was a great man that was a member of the church that was converted from a Trinitarian church of doctrinal persuasion that taught, and I'm quoting it now, that God in three separate distinct persons, co-equal, co-eternal. Now, that's another lesson for another day. Right. But he was taught that there was the person of God, the Father, the person of God, the Son, the person of God, the Holy Ghost. And I wanted to teach a lesson to the audience and to my congregants about the revelation of the one God. So I allowed my precious friend to debate me publicly in the pulpit. And he took the position of the oneness, and I took the position mm-hmm. of the Trinitarian. There was a mighty revelation that took place that day in that audience where people saw that in Jesus Christ dwells the Father, dwells the Son, and yeah. dwells the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Genesis chapter 1, I'm, I move very quickly. Can, can I, can I moving, just interject something here? Don't worry about quick. Quick. He, I'm, I'm going to ask your wife to take that clock off the wall. I know you're trying to see it. So you you were in Genesis a minute ago, and you were you were at that point before we went down this other rabbit hole here about let us make man, and that if what was created was a reflection of the image of the Godhead of this God that if we are of the persuasion that God is three, that we would need three. This, this scripture came to my, to, to my mind because we were using it. Uh, Pastor Townley, you, you referenced it. But Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2, he in these last days spoke and hath spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Wow. Person, not his persons. That's awesome. (laughs) But of the singularity of his personhood. He's not just the image of God. He's the image of his person. Powerful. Would you read that again, that part about the persons? I love this. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image, express image, express image of his person. Singular. Singular of his person. My God. <laughs> Woo. This is truly revelation. I want to speak, if I can um, connect with what you just said. I want the audience to hear what Pastor McKillop just said. Preach this. If you'll preach doctrine, God will honor it in your church. Hmm. If you'll preach Jesus Christ is the mighty God and the fullness of the Godhead, preach it faithfully, Hmm. preach it sincerely, and he will honor that a whole lot quicker than he will honor our homiletical perfect little sermon presentations. (laughs) Because sometimes our little perfect sermon, homiletical presentations, come on, man, it almost kind of gives honor to us because how we have worked it up and how we prepared it and how we present it. But if you preach what Pastor McKillop just said, you're throwing all the glory Mm, back to Jesus Christ, and he will honor that. Powerful, Brother McKillop. Thank you for that. Go ahead. I want to talk about Genesis chapter one, just a few minutes more. Yes. This is awesome. Now, this is a, this is kind of a quick rundown to my preachers that are looking at this today. Uh, maybe you will have to listen to this more than one time, but this is worthy for you to take notes on this. Watch this Genesis chapter one and verse one. 
In the beginning, God, Elohim, the singular God with plural attributes, Genesis 1 and 2. And the Spirit of God, Elohim, mm. the singular God with plural attributes, verse 3. And God said, let there be light, Elohim, the singular God with plural attributes. Verse 4, and God saw that the light was good, and God divided Elohim, the singular God, with plural attributes. And this goes through verse 5 and verse 6 mm. and verse 7 and mm. verse 8 and verse 9 and verse 10 and verse 11 and verse 12 and verse 14 and verse 16 and verse 17 and verse 18 and verse 20 and verse 20, uh, 21 and 22 and 24 and 25. And then we get to verse 26. Let's do the pronoun thing one more time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this and is so God awesome. said, let us my attributes, ah. my excellent greatness. In the book of Colossians, <laughs> I was going to try not to go to this one, but I have to go. Oh, you got to go. In the book of Colossians, <laughs> speaking of Jesus, in whom, hallelujah, <laughs> we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, for by him, by him, Elohim, Yes. Were all things created that are in heaven and in earth. earth. Whether there be thrones, I know I'm supposed to keep my eyes open. No, that's I, okay. I, I Go. Picture, but I really feel the Holy Ghost. For by him, not them, him. were all things, which includes Adam, yes. make man. Yes. By him were all things created that are in heaven and in earth. Whether there be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, yes, all things were made by him and for him, and without him was not anything made that was made. I will close my visit with you today very soon by saying this, Pastor Townley, there's another complete lesson to be taught and to be learned in Revelation, and I'm talking about a revelation of God about the right hand of God. Yes. There's altogether another oneness lesson to be learned about to whom was Jesus praying in Gethsemane mm. and to whom was Jesus speaking on the cross when he says, my God, my God, why my. hast thou forsaken me? So I close with the pronouns that some of you oneness men are afraid of. And Genesis 1 and verse 26 and 27. And I read 26 and 27 to you. And God said, let us, there's the pronoun, make man in our, there's that pronoun, image, after our, there's that pronoun, likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creep upon it. And verse 27 is not the only answer, but let's go with pronouns now. Verse 27 so God, Elohim, yeah. created man in his <laughs> own image. In the image of God, Elohim, the attributes of God, he created he, him. Male and female created he, them. Here we go. <laughs> Father, I pray for Pastor McKillop and thank God for his vision and outreach. I pray for Pastor Townley. And I pray for my friends across North America and around the world. The position of the oneness of the Godhead is not just another possible theology from the, from the book we call the Bible. It is the only mm. theology. Mm. Mm. And the Bible says, in the beginning... God created. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. That word, word, is logos. In the beginning was the excellency of the express image of God. And the logos, which was God, the attributes of God, was made flesh. Mm. And we beheld his glory. And John writes in 1 John, we saw him. We handled him, 
We touched him. Yeah. Preachers, the position of the oneness of the Godhead is not just another theological position. It is the only correct theological position for in him, Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God bless you in Jesus' name.